Previously on At the Movies with Arch Campbell and Lou Katz. Now there's an idea for you, a documentary on Oscar Levant. You want to pay for it. <laughs> you found us. It's At the Here Movies with Arch Campbell, Ooh. yours truly, Lou Katz, ah. and a cast of thousands. <laughs> Where? Exactly. It starts right now, so Ooh. please, without further delay, mm. let me welcome to you the bleary-eyed senior citizen... <laughs> Who rarely sees the light of day? Thank Arch you, Campbell. thank you very much, Lou Katz, my dear friend from uh, uh. my radio days, and here we are recreating those days once again on this entertainment podcast. And entertainment it is. Now you've been doing some HBO stuff. I have discovered a show on HBO that a friend told me I had to watch. Right called Chernobyl. It's a five-part miniseries. It just, just started, didn't it? Well, it, you know, I think they brought it out like one a week for right. five weeks, and now you can get all five episodes. And it's about the Chernobyl uh, nuclear disaster, and it is compelling and strong stuff. And I, I, I highly recommend Chernobyl to anybody looking for something really good uh, on the streaming, on your cable you're <laughs> on is, the Hulu. Is, I assume it's in English with Russian subtitles. <laughs> Russian subtitles, right? It's and you know the because the news and the facts about Chernobyl didn't really come out at the time. Sure. And now when you uh, when you see this story, it's just it's chilling. And well, it happened many years ago, right? It happened in 1986. Right. So a lot of it's, it's faded uh, from a lot of folks' memories. So. It stars the guy Jared Harris, who played uh, Lane in Mad Men. He's uh, Richard Harris's son, and he's the scientist trying to tell the Russians that uh, they got a problem with all of their nuclear reactors. Right. So. That's that's what I'm watching. You're you're a fan of Pretty Little Lies. Oh man, Sunday night, nine o'clock. We were there watching I, it. I haven't started that yet. I got to get into you, it. You never saw any of the episodes. No, no. <clears throat> What's the name of it again? Pretty Little Lies. Pretty Little Lies. And uh, they just added Meryl Streep to the cast. I don't know if I should uh-huh. should you know blow it for you here and tell you all about it. Well, but... they reveal the right. lie in the first season. Right. Now, but right. now there are other lies. Right. They're developing a whole new set of lies. <laughs> and they've already said they will absolutely, positively not be a third season of Pretty Little Lies. Okay. To which I say, Arch, that's what they said after the first season. <laughs> but, you know, it, it got such a, it's got such a strong following. Uh, Reese Witherspoon, uh, they got a, a great, great yeah, cast. Laura Dern, Laura I understand Dern. she's uh, just a crazy operatic and... Right. Um, and then you had uh, Nicole, Nicole Kidman. Kidman. Oh, yeah. I mean, and it's riveting in a way. I don't want to say it's a dark comedy, but it's. You it sounds check it out. like the first season of Desperate Housewives way back when that started. Gosh, and, and, you know, that's, a, that's you actually know, a great comparison. The housewife yeah. uh, killed herself, and then they were all trying to figure out yeah, exactly. why and all their. Okay, so that's good. So we went to the movies together, mm-hmm. and uh, I uh, this is a pretty good week for new movies. And uh, so since we're talking about movies now, let's uh, bring in by cell phone <laughs> our dear friend Jason Fraley from WTOP, the uh, movie expert, and let's talk about what's opening this week. Hey, guys. How are you? Thanks for having me back. You went to see the new Men in Black. And before we start on that, I got to tell you that when I got the screening notice, I just thought, I just don't want to see it. 
Can you change my mind? No, I thought it was kind of a, a, a vanilla, you know, when, it, it, when everyone talks about uh, a, a, the stereotype of a, of a sequel or a reboot, I guess it's kind of, this is kind of a mix of a sequel and a reboot. This is sort of, that fills that stereotype of a retread because I absolutely, I absolutely love the original Men in Black back in 97. I know a lot right. of people did. Not only did it have that, you know, that Oscar winning makeup, those effects and everything, but Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones were hilarious um, as sort of that, young lion old lion their dynamic um and of course and they were and you gotta remember tommy lee jones was just a few years off of the fugitive at that point and and will smith was god he was red hot at the time because he had just done fresh prince and uh independence day and then you, you remember that men in black um he did the he did the title song that catchy song here come the men in black that was on his um rap album big willie style and so, this I time mean, what it's chris pratt and uh the woman from uh dear white people uh half correct it's um it's <laughs> chris hemsworth it's thor oh and, uh, yep yep and then tessa and then Tessa Thompson, who was in Creed, you know, there's a there's some decent uh, romantic chemistry here with them, uh, and you know, they're both they're both I really like them both as movie stars. But it's a little weird having a movie where the where the two men and women in black in this case have it's sort of a, a budding romance throughout, rather than uh -huh. I don't know. I think the Tommy Lee Will Smith you know mentor mentee thing worked a little better before. I don't want to see it. I and and here's the way I'm starting to feel about movies. They're just bringing the same stuff out every year. Yeah, I mean, that you can't argue that fact. That's a fact. Man, and last week I went to see Dark Phoenix. Did you see that? I thought that was a, a very disappointing what a, it was It's the same old stuff. Oh, and, uh, you know, the bad girl is rising into the sky, and she was good, and now she's bad, and they have to fight her, and the world is going to end, but it doesn't. And here we go. I don't know. For a, for a culminating chapter, I thought that yeah. was kind of a dud, too. Uh, Lou and I went to see the new Shaft together. And th this uh, erases everything I've said about the same old stuff because uh, it's this kid, Jesse Usher, who's the third-generation Shaft. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson is his father, and Richard Roundtree, his grandfather. And the new kid is a millennial, with uh, tight pants that are a little bit too short for his shoes, and uh, he, he's anti-violence and hates guns, and uh, and he teams up with his father and grandfather to solve a case, and it's very sly and very <laughs> violent and extremely vulgar. <laughs> Just great fun. Well, Lou, what? I absolutely <laughs> loved it. Thought it was great. So I don't know if you've uh, seen Shaft or not. You 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 decided against Shaft. I had to miss Shaft screening there, but I'm actually I'm glad to hear you say that because I kind of shrugged and thought maybe yeah you know maybe I'll catch it later because you know they this is the second time they're rebooting it right Samuel right, Jackson yeah. again. You know what? You know, I forgot about the original one. I was looking back on it the other day. Was the script for the original Shaft was written this it's the same year the same writer Ernest Tidyman as uh as the French Connection which uh -huh. won the Oscar that year and he it and both. those two movies are very similar and of course the 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 title you know the the theme <laughs> who's the black crab oh. and sex you know, machine for all the chicks they use the same theme <laughs> and and they use the same uh graphics over the opening but it's a very sly updated urban comedy about a millennial and, you know, his bad-ass father and <laughs> grandfather. 
So, and uh, I'm really recommending Late Night this weekend with Emma Thompson. I hope you will see that. Yeah, I'm excited to see that too. It's funny you mention her. She was actually in Men in Black International as well. Well, let me uh, let me summarize here. I, uh, Lou and I loved Shaft, and I'm recommending Late Night to everybody looking for just a fun, easy comedy. And you're kind of mixed on Men in Black. I'd say mixed. Yeah, maybe even mixed mixed to negative it's you know if you're a fan of the franchise and and you you love it you know it, it can't hurt to go in and, and sh- just you know waste away a couple hours watching some good movie stars but at the end you know i, I almost felt like i had one of those neuralizers that zaps your memory because you know? I, I really i'm sitting here and I, you know a lot of the i'm really not really recalling you know not not much of it stuck with you it's one of those kind of movies you know so um but so. i really love i really loved um I really love Rocket Man. Yeah, I thought I thought that was really really well done. I thought Rocket Man was a great follow to uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, and that the production numbers were even better than Bohemian Rhapsody, and that actually because they produced the music so well, I liked it better. Yeah, I'm with you, and um, I know you've mentioned in your podcast before. It's the same director, uh, Dexter Fleck. Fletcher that mm-hmm. took over the back half, uh, you know, the second half of production for Bohemian Rhapsody after Brian Singer left. And um, I'm with you. I thought the main difference here was that the, unlike Rami Malek doing, you know, he, he kind of lip synced the Freddie Mercury song. It was a great performance, that Live Aid thing at the end. I mean, right. Bo, Bo Rap was electrifying. But here, the, the numbers were actually, you know, yeah. they were actually performed. They Taron Edgerton sang. actually did the singing, which is, uh, you know, really impressive. Yeah, and he was exactly. good. He was very good, and it was like a, you know that warts and all. I think it it was it wasn't afraid to dive into you know, and I know Elton helped develop it, which is kind of surprising because it's a warts and all. You know, the whole framing device is him in rehab, you know, uh, for sex addiction and drug, you know, addiction and alcoholism and all that. But yeah, like the the um, the production, the musical numbers. Um, not only did you get those. You know, it wasn't a straightforward, here's the band playing the next song, here's that, you know. Uh-huh. Yeah, there, there was some of that. They had his big um, breakout moment at the Troubadour in L.A. singing Crocodile Rock. But um, also mixed within that, it was those fantasy numbers, almost like that Beatles movie Across the Universe, yeah. where it would, it would be, you know, they, it would be other characters, like his childhood self or his friends and family or, you know, at different stages of life breaking out into tiny dancer or your song you know it was it wasn't always that straightforward behind the music vh1 kind of a thing it was it wasn't totally chronological which i thought was kind of was was refreshing I, I it really struck me that. as a as a jukebox musical except done on film and because it was on film they elevated the music numbers uh in the manner of busby berkeley back in the 30s they they showed you something you couldn't do on stage. Exactly, and I hope more people go see it so that we can all sing, we're in the money. <laughs> <I had> to- <laughs> hey, speaking of that, we'll listen for you on WTOP, and it's always fun talking to you, Jason, and uh, good wishes to you, and thanks for uh, being here with us. Absolutely, absolutely. I always appreciate it, guys. And now, some messages from Lou. <laughs> Messages. You know, I wanted to be a radio announcer. <laughs> you did. Well, you started out like that, and look what happened. You went into TV. <laughs> and now you're sort of back on the radio again. 
You've come full, full circle. Yeah. Hey, uh, here at Hound Radio, as always, we love getting your emails. We're hoping to get one, our very first one in the near future. Have we gotten one? Just something from my sister, but that, uh, that doesn't count. You can always reach out to us at uh, arch, A-R-C-H, arch at houndradio.com or myself, Lou, L-O-O, at houndradio.com. And, and Lou, what is Hound Radio? Hound Radio, it's music, it's chat, oh. it's this and that, oh. <laughs> whatever else we come up with. We have contests, we have giveaways. As a matter of fact, mm. I didn't tell you, Arch, mm-hmm. I have just secured a ton of tickets for some great shows out of Jiffy Lube live this summer. Oh, wow. And we're going to be tying in with a show out at uh, the Harry Potter show out at Wolf Trap, too. Really? So, yeah, you know, the promotion department. <laughs> Harry Potter has a show now? <laughs> What's the music and, you know, the whole thing. Oh, how great. Anyway, so de- definitely check out. So Hound Radio, and it, we play adult contemporary music, and we have a lot of features, and we carry news from Associated Press. So it's, it's a lot of fun. Say hello to my friends at Hufflepuff. I'm going to ride in my Nimbus, what, 2,000, 3,000? It's probably been upgraded to a 5,000. I'm an honorary member of Hufflepuff. (laughs) Anyway. So what's coming up on the program? A tribute to two unforgettable voices. And a legendary radio station. You're listening to At The Movies with Arch Campbell and Lou Katz and a cast of thousands. Okay, Lou, now it's time for some shout-outs, and I want to start with this news. As of the 1st of June in 2019, Mix 107 and the 107 FM frequency in Washington has vanished. It is now known as WLVW, or I'm told they call it K-Love. K-Love, right. They should Mm -hmm. call it W-Love, but it's (laughs) K-Love. K-Love. And they are a broadcast syndication Christian contemporary music network. Right, based out of Sacramento, right? And, And I'm not knocking Christian contemporary music, but I am saying that it is interesting that this major radio station, Mix 107, is vanishing. Uh, those, those, the Mix 107 was owned by ABC Radio. For many, many years. And they sold them to Cumulus Media, and Cumulus sold those former ABC stations in D.C., New York, San Francisco, and a couple of other small cities. Also Atlanta, too, they got rid of one. Yeah. Wow. Because they needed to reduce the uh, company's debt. And we're not knocking Christian music, but uh, what does it say to you that um, Mix 107, and before that it was Q Q 107 for many years, yeah. Huge radio station, gone now. And I had a chance to spend 11 years of my, uh, my career over there. I think what it does is it shows the state of the broadcasting industry is in disarray. Uh, Because these radio properties sold for literally hundreds of millions of dollars less than they would have sold for as recently as 10 or 15 years Uh ago. And and I think a lot of that has to do with with these big conglomerates, Arch, that have come in and bought radio stations. They bought them at a very hefty price. And, you know, you can only make so much money in radio advertising, and then you get into trouble. And this Cumulus company has just recently come out of Chapter 11. So it's... I am remembering when Q107 had a series of commercials. I think it was called The Mouth. Yeah. Where right. this uh, gorgeous looking. Krista Lyle. Yes, yes. Would um, lip sync mm-hmm. all of uh, the artists on right. the radio station. 
And she came to town, and every television station, including mine and me, went over to interview her. Sure. And everybody reversed the lip sync. So we would put Chris <laughs> asking our questions in our voice, and then we would answer in her voice. They were one of the biggest rock and roll stations in yeah. America. Yeah, one and of the biggest top 40 stations in town for many years. Yeah. You went to a reunion last night? I went night? to a reunion at Clyde's <laughs> over in Friendship Heights where there was a re, it was a reunion of a lot of the uh, Mix 107.3 air staff and support staff. You had salespeople there uh -huh. and, and traffic department and engineering, but it was great. Everybody's around reminiscing and... And, and so what are they? What do they say about uh, you know this great institution uh, gone? People are still stunned, and, and you know, look, a lot of people, a lot of people, Arch, uh, uh, lost their jobs. Half of the sales uh -huh. department at mm -hmm. Cumulus, uh, which of course is also WMAL FM and in, uh, in Washington, half the salespeople are out of work. Uh, the business department, promotions, you know, they had to cut staff in half. Because the station doesn't exist anymore. 107 is gone. It's so. just uh, something bringing in uh, a it's service a off it's a satellite. It's a satellite dish. There's no studios. There's no offices. It has just disappeared. It runs by remote control out of Sacramento. Yeah, it's, Back, it's you know, in my days, the 70s and 80s, uh, <laughs> WMAL AM was the number one station in town. Sure. And then Q107 was number, two. was number two. And between them, they had like half of the radio. Uh, yeah. And... WMAL, nobody could understand how that station was as popular as it was because they did all these funky, old-school, 1950s block programming things. Mm -hmm. Tom Gager used to start oh, yeah. his show with the Star Spangled Banner. <laughs> <laughs> Remember? And the sure. Harden and Weaver would play a hymn in the right. morning. Right. Uh, yeah, legendary. I, You know, it's... It, it's uh, uh, changing times they sure are so now i would like for us to take a moment and salute malcolm rebinick jr you know him as dr john ah did you yeah. play dr john in your mm. radio career a million times <laughs> right place wrong time oh, is the name oh of his God. hit song <laughs> he was a cajun jazz rock performer uh, also known as the King of New Orleans, Bluesiana. <laughs> He's from New Orleans, uh, influenced by the city, and it, he said that his music was a mix of voodoo and hoodoo. <laughs> He's in the Blues Brothers 2000 movie, and if you watched uh, Treme, he um, was uh, often performing on oh, that. I didn't know that. I've been in the right place. But it must have been the wrong time I'd have said the right thing But it must have used the wrong line I've been on the right trip But it must have used the wrong car Hit us in a bad place And I wonder what it's good for What kind of a situation do you think he was in? In right place, wrong time? <laughs> I don't know But I just remember playing that song in 1973, when I was doing the overnight show on 1390 Weem in, in Falls Church, Virginia. We, I remember Weem. They were kind of underground rock. Oh, on for a while. They were actually a legendary AM top 40 back in the 60s uh, here here in Washington. But uh, that's a whole other story. Well, Dr. John was 77. Uh, 77 is way too young. Now, you have another shout-out, Arch, you want to make? Who's that to? And that is to one of the most unusual performers of the last third of the 20th century, a man named Leon Redbone. Are you familiar with him? Oh, sure. Leon Redbone was a character 
created by a man born in Cyprus named Dikran Gobalian. And this information only recently came out hmm. because he started performing in the 70s and he created this Redbone character. He had a mustache, wore dark glasses, and a hat. had a hat, right. uh, played acoustic guitar. And they say he was one of the best uh, acoustic guitar players uh, in, in music history. Hmm. And his singing was kind of a growl. And I remember seeing him on Saturday Night Live in 1975. That was the thing. Did you see that performance? I may have. I don't recall it. (laughs) Well, yeah. I sort of saw it because in those days. 1975. You know, in 19, when Saturday Night Live came on, you'd be out at a party somewhere, and suddenly everything would stop at right. 11.30, and everybody would watch what? Saturday Night Live as we got somewhat wasted. <laughs> <laughs> and he did uh, Shine on Harvest Moon and some other song. If you haven't figured out who he is yet, he was the voice of Frosty the Snowman in Elf. He did some commercials. He did some other stuff. But he was uh, a quite unusual character. And the thing I like about him is he never broke character. Mm-hmm. He never told anybody who his real name was or what his background was. And, and like Bonnie Raitt said, she would spend time with him in a hotel room. He would never break character. Even when he was not performing. All the time. (laughs) So, I would like to end this show Mm -hmm. this week with a song that was made famous in the 1930s by Louis Armstrong and Leon Redbone. Uh, This is his kind of music. So, here is Leon Redbone singing My Walking Stick. Without my walking stick I'd go insane I can't look my best, I feel undressed without my cane. Must have my walking stick, cause it may rain. When it pours, can't be outdoors without my cane. If I ever left my house without my walking stick, well, it would be something I could never explain Or the thing that makes me clear On lover's land Would go for not if I were caught without my Ah, the one-of-a-kind Leon Redbone. So that's our show for this week. Lou, always great talking with you. Same here. A veteran of uh, Mix 107. (laughs) Was it Mix 107 or Q107? It was both. I was there for the last year. It was Q107, and I was there when they flipped it over to Mix 107.3. Wow. Miss the days of radio. So one of these days, let's talk about our radio careers. And also, I want to talk about the days of clear channel radio when sure. I would get out on the highway just so I could pull in distant stations. Uh, hey, and I want to thank uh, Jason Fraley for calling in today. Arch and I shall return in a couple of weeks. And now let's bring on the new clothes. <laughs> bring on the chimes, please.
This is the CATS Podcasting System.